On this episode, we get in touch with our emotions as we dive deeper into the Enneagram, exploring the heart triad, which consists of types two, three, and four. Welcome to Own the Future, a podcast made by and for change makers, where we gain the courage to own our story, the freedom to own our craft, and the power to own the future. I am your host, Lucas Scrobot, and we are back again for a three out of four Pete with April Lee from Muscat. Welcome, April. Thank you. What have we been talking about the last three weeks? We have been talking about the Enneagram. We have been talking about the Enneagram. We have been, for the listeners out there, you who are listening right now in your car, we have been talking about you. (laughs) You, your best friend, and your worst enemies. This is why you are listening to this episode, because you want to learn more about your true self, who you're created and designed to be, and why the people around you that you love, why you love them. Yeah. And the people that grind on you, why do they grind on you? Yeah. And most importantly, April, is this is the Enneagram used to to weaponize and be used as, you know, a nice little sniper rifle to take out people who annoy you? Goodness, no. And if that's what you use it for, <laughs> you're using it wrong. You're using it wrong. What is it used for? It, it is used to show that you see a certain way and you experience the world and take in and process information in a very unique way to you, Lucas. Mm. Um, but surprise, surprise, there, <laughs> there, there, there are eight, eight other, other ways. wrong ways of seeing the world. <laughs> <laughs> there are eight There's eight other, other ways. ways that are all equally valid of seeing the world. Do you believe that? You know, I actually do. I believe that. I I do believe that. And I would give the challenge to anyone listening to this. That when they finally pick up on the thing, and maybe we'll be in this episode, the thing that you say, oh, I now know why that person annoys me so much. Mm-hmm. Instead of weaponizing it against that person and having excuses of why to be more embittered or more frustrated at that person and then use that information to attack that person, it should actually be a mirror to ourselves and point out areas in ourselves where we need to grow to actually be more gracious and giving and kind and loving and understanding of the other people around us. It's real good. And this is why. One part, so you can be a better person, right? Yeah. The other part, because then people will like you more, right? I think the third and most important thing, if you live a life full of bitterness and anger and grumbling against everyone around you, you're going to be miserable. End of story. You are. So if you want to be miserable, weaponize the Enneagram. (laughs) And if you want to live a happy life, weaponize the Enneagram against yourself and round out those those corners that you've been living in unhealth. Using the powerful powers, the powerful powers of compassion. Yes. And love. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I will say when I first started out on the, my Enneagram journey, it was it just I was able to laugh at some of my 
more difficult tendencies. Yeah. Like it, it, it almost was a tool in a way that helped me face some of the things that I avoid or choose not mm. to, to face. Um, but some of the, the language around the Enneagram just, I don't know, it helps you approach it a little bit more, whether yeah. it's through humor or it's like, oh my gosh, I totally do that. Oops. You know, we can't take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, you know, a lot of people say the, the Enneagram's depressing and I, I don't know. I think it's, it's freeing, but then again, I, I don't have a problem with. Yeah. Don't worry. So. We, we will have a lot of, a lot of laughs today at your expense, April. Great. So I'm glad that you brought that up, that we we're going to be able to laugh very hard. <laughs> April, April, tell me, tell me a little bit, something new about the Enneagram that we maybe haven't touched on in the last two episodes. <laughs> what have we not touched on the last There's two There's a lot episodes? that we haven't touched on. I know. It's so, it's so dense and so deep. Um, well, we've, we've definitely talked about the purpose of it. And I would hope by now your listeners have grasped the purpose of why we want to give ourselves to this. Um, it started off as an oral tradition, and so it really wasn't written out and recorded um, until the 70s, mm. until the 1970s. And um, and so the, I think it's pretty remarkable that an oral tradition would be able to um, continue on throughout different um, all different faith beliefs and all different types of cultures and people mm. and kind of turn around to us today and be such a powerful tool. It's not, it's not the way, mm. but um, it's definitely um, a way to help us rediscover ourselves. It's almost as if it, uh, it articulates and gives us lenses to see uh, truths of humanity mm. that we all carry in, walk through. Um, and and that, I think, is the reason that it's tr- transcended thousands of years of human history to us today. It's it's because it, it's pointing true to inherent truths within humanity mm. that cross all cultures, all genders, and it's not saying one personality or, or one number is better or worse than the other. It's saying we are all, we all have issues and we all have an original design and we all need each other to work. And it's a, a matter of us growing into who we were originally born to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other uh, stories from yourself personally of when you first encountered the Enneagram, some of the things that you went through as an individual in your own story, your own history mm-hmm. in finding out who you were and maybe finding out who others were and what you did with that. Mm. <laughs> well, if your listeners don't know yet, I'm an Enneagram type four. You're the romantic or the individualist, which we'll talk about. We're the dark one, right? <laughs> the dark creative the, type. The self-titled by Lucas Grobot. Hey, I'm just saying what I've read. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I think um, it helped me, I think, in my journey 
understand how I enter into a relationship um, or how what I think it gave language to how I like how I approach mm. people and it was freeing in that I realized there's a there's a type of people living on the earth who uh like yeah it's just I'm not I'm not crazy or there there are certain people that What specifically for, was it? Was it the your your longing for really deep connection quickly with the individual? Is that what you're speaking to? Some yeah, that would be one of them. Can where, you unpack that in like <laughs> Okay, I'll we tell. We want the juicy details. I'll say it in we a, want something to gossip about to our friends. A, a, a humorous way to put it, uh, which it's still it's just so true of me that I can't. There's no denying, um, and I just never understood it until the enneagram. But uh, yeah, upon meeting anybody, um, or I won't say anybody, upon meeting specific people that I find deep connection with Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, like, oh, you see me and I, and you know me and vice versa. I I walk away wanting to know the deepest part of you and for you to know the deepest part of me. And I want to be your best friend forever until the end of days by tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I, I can recall, um, telling my mom in different, different stages of my life, um, different people and having conversations with her of different friends that I just like loved deeper than deep. Mm. And I, I just, I would want to do. I just wanted to be in close connection and relationship with them um, so quickly. And I just, I, that revelation of the type four sinking deeper and deeper as Mm. I journey through this and and realizing that's a part of me. Another. (laughs) um, But now not everyone wants to know the deepest parts of you and be BFF for life. Yeah, Do you have a funny story <laughs> of where, you know, you find some dashing lad or a okay. darling girl and you're like, oh, my goodness, you are one of my 25 soulmates and I want to have this bond. And it just like blew up in your face. Um, well, it, it's funny I'm talking to you because I know you're five on the Enneagram. Five type four or wing four. Yeah. Um, but actually, Okay. <laughs> So, uh, we all know Instagram and mm, the gram, the gram. And I, you know, one day, one day, 10 years from now, no one's going to know. We're going to be about. listening back to this and be like, oh, oh, oh Instagram was, remember when Instagram was around? It's like MySpace. It's going to be like MySpace one day. Anyways. My top five. Yep. Um, that I met just yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> MySpace. Um, no. Okay. So. <clears throat> I, uh, I, I guess it's in person that I love to deeply connect with, but I, I also love what social media can, can be for that as well. And so I, there's a girl that I follow on Instagram and I, I have actually never met her and, uh, she's, yeah, 
we've we've never met, but I found out just through following her, she is an Enneagram type five. Mm. And did she self-confess that or did you self-diagnose her? I did not self-diagnose that. She she has said that herself. Okay. And um, we've actually never talked about this, but this is something that I, I think to be true. Um, and you could confirm that. But um, she had posted online of, of, of a hard experience um, and where she was grieving. And so I... And I just thought, oh, yeah, the appropriate thing, like, like I know you would be to message her and um, just kind of not dig deep as in ask questions, but just as if I knew her situation and <laughs> and relate to her and say, you know, I'm so sorry. And that is the em- empathetic part of me mm. was very real in that moment. But um, I could. I look back on that moment. I could see. Was I it a was long probably, message? It was a long Like three messages long? <laughs> it wasn't three messages long, but it was, you know, a good couple paragraphs. <laughs> and I, I feel like I look back on it. I was like, oh, she probably thought that was really invasive. Like, I, I don't know her. Did she and, respond to you? you she did. Um, the conversation didn't last very long, but I, I don't know. I look back on that and I, I think... With the motivations and the drives of five and four being different, I what felt normal to me to just reach out to her like I knew her, like she was my best friend mm. that was grieving, and I wouldn't want to be there with her. Yeah, um, was actually like, no, she's a stranger. And then on top of that, <laughs> we've never met, and she's an Enneagram five. Hmm, I wonder how she took that. So we've never really gone full circle about that conversation, but I do think about that a lot. I'd love to uh, get her handle and message her no. and find out what she she thought about that instance. No, for sure, no. When we meet in person, I'll Is she ask famous? Her. No. Oh, okay. Uh, but I would do that with a famous person, too, <laughs> just so you know. I, so I think part is hard for me because I am a 5'4", and so with that, I have... I remember uh, an instance in my life when I was in university and uh, I was talking with a a friend. I don't remember the details of the conversation, but somehow it came to the point where he's like, you know, we're not going to be friends forever. And, you know, it's okay that, you know, we don't have to be friends forever with everyone and we'll just part ways and we'll never talk again. And that's fine. That breaks my heart. And I was like, I can't believe you just said that. Like that mm-hmm. is like the most baseless, heartless mm. thing a person could ever say. Um, and so, but with that, I would self-confess, I have many, many loose ties, but very, very few um, strong ties. And even the strong ties that I have um, outside of my wife and my children, I don't, you know, I'm not texting them every day or even every week. Sometimes it's a month goes by without exchanging message. Now, whether that's a guy thing or whether that's, uh, you know, my type, Enneagram type five thing, I don't know. But um, I would say I I hold, when I meet someone, I, I normally go to this like, oh, we're best, like we're best friends. Hmm. And, and oftentimes I've realized the other person's like, um, uh, yeah, okay, see ya. I'm like, uh, I'm going to miss you so much. You know, if they're leaving, you know, there's a 
Yeah, wow. And leaving. Strong so I don't know if that's wing. part of my my four coming out or if that's uh that's you know, I guess it's part of childhood wounds because as we'll find out today, four the f- the fear of four is fear of abandonment, mm. which uh I personally strongly relate to. Mm. So I for sure am am I have a lot of kind of that fourness mm-hmm. in me. So I have understanding and empathy for you. Thank you, Lucas. So last week we talked about the gut, which was the eight, nine, and one. What are the titles of the eight, nine, and one again? The eight is the challenger or the boss. The nine is our peacemaker. And uh, the one is the perfectionist. Yeah. And they process the, the core emotion that they process would be Anger. And what do the eight, the nine, and the one, what do they do with anger differently? Uh, the eight will externalize the anger, and you'll you'll see it, you know it, it's happening, and they'll tend to be angry and let go of it, and they're done with it. They're not going to think about it much anymore. Um, the type nine, it turns into, their anger turns to passive-aggressive anger. Um, so as we learned in their... Um, merging with others and not becoming um, their assertive self, uh, they tend to bottle up and hold hmm. inside their uh, their anger and remember moments of of you, where hmm. you've fallen short to them. Um, and the one, our perfectionist, they their anger they turn it in on themselves. Um, out of the frustration that they can't meet perfection mm. and they live in a world that's imperfect, they turn it on themselves and it becomes resentment. Okay. And now, so that's in the the instinct or the gut triad. And now today we are moving into the heart and the feeling triad. So for all you eight, nines, and ones, and all you five, six, and sevens, mm. take a deep breath. And realize that the heart and feeling triad, uh, they they process things very different than us. They feel things very different than us. And uh, we let's practice showing patience mm. for their emotions today as we listen through to this podcast. Right, April? It's amazing. I love the way you said that. Good. So <laughs> help help us and start breaking down how. How do these three, what are the three types and then how, how are they, what's the main emotion that they're processing? And then mm-hmm. we'll dive into each type. Yeah. Um, so within the heart or feeling triad, we have um, the numbers two, three, and four. Uh, our two is called the helper and our three is called the achiever and our four is the romantic or the individualist. And they are, um, they are are very focused on their image, but also relationships matter the most to them. And so they they often struggle with feelings of shame. They all do things differently with that shame um, in their health to unhealth. Hmm. So number two, what is the two? Okay, the two is called the helper. So the helper, the there's this holy idea behind the helper, and the the holy ideas that we're going to be covering to today, they're 
and maybe it's because it's all in the heart and the feeling. They're really abstract. They're quite hard to understand. So if you don't understand exactly how it fits, it's okay. But the holy idea, the original design of the helper is holy will or holy freedom. And it's this idea that the the universe, that the divine is not just happening by chance. It's not God rolling the dice as uh, Albert Einstein, I believe, once said that God's not rolling the dice, but there's actually design that there's will and that there's freedom in our existence. And that is the the original design of the two to realize that they can act within their own will and their own needs. And it's mm. it's in harmony mm. with the universe. Uh the 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 place of uh, passion or sin or vice that the two falls into is pride. Yeah. Why does the two fall into pride? What unpacked pride yeah. for us, April? Yes. So in the Enneagram world, um, what that really means is as a two, they 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 want to be needed, mm. um, and they want. And they actually, they're the only number on the Enneagram that can intuitively know your own need before you yourself knows it. Mm. And it's kind of creepy. It's creepy and wonderful. It's like Facebook and Google. <laughs> uh, if, if Google was an Enneagram number, it would definitely be, I don't know if it'd be the the two, but maybe. This is getting advanced. This is really deep. Okay. So the, the twos. Pride um, really is comes from a place of their inability or unwillingness to see that they have needs. Mm. And so the the twos, it's the the fixation of the ego is flattery, but their strength or their virtue is humility. Mm. And it's clear to see how pride and humility juxtapose mm. against one another. And it's interesting because it's. It's the pride of the two that says, I don't have needs. I'm self-sufficient. I'm going to serve everyone else's needs because I don't have needs. And it actually takes humility to say, I'm a needy person. Please help me. Mm. Which is oftentimes we think of pride as like, oh, they're just stuck up. They're just, they think that they're better than everyone. But really here it's saying, which is kind of saying that, but it it's it's a little bit more nuanced with where the two is saying, I need you to help me. Mm. And their pride is one of focusing on others rather than admitting their own need. And when they move into health and humility, they're actually saying to others, hey, I need you to serve me, Mm. which is kind of really backwards in some of our thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, touching on on shame, uh, most twos that I've interacted with or have been in relationship with it's it's very hard to, for them to even know what they need mm. so sometimes they're they help until they're blue in the face mm. and and that's them moving into the unhealth of an eight um and then they kind of build up some bottled up bitterness and they're like now there's they control and manipulate but they, it's out of this like giving place, you know. Um, but sometimes in, in their in 
moving their movement to a four is quite difficult um, for them to one realize yes I have needs but to even distinguish mm. what are those needs and yeah I've I've had conversations with multiple twos where I will lovingly ask what is it that you need mm. and they don't even know they don't know yeah why 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 is that what is that underlining fear and motivation that the two has um i think the in their childhood i think they they grew up with this unspoken message that um it's not okay to have needs mm. and also a fear of rejection because so much have how you know they're they're so wired for relationship and um and so they'll they'll give and they'll they'll serve and meet your need in hopes that it will for the, for the relationship to be loved mm. and to be wanted. Mm. And so they're afraid they're afraid that if they have need, the other people won't meet it and they'll be rejected. Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I think that's one way to look at it. I think another way to look at it is if they have needs, they'll be rejected. Right. So so their childhood wound is the whether it's from parents or the, the the environment around them saying that it's not okay for you to have needs. Yeah. And what have they desired their whole life to hear? You're wanted, you're needed. You're wanted and you're needed. So can you give me some characteristics of a two? What does mm -hmm. a, a classical two look like? Yeah. Twos are great. <laughs> they're so loving, very nurturing people. Um, they're others focused. So again, like I said, they're going to know your need and it's, in, it's intuitive. It's like I, before I even say it, you know my need and how to meet it. It's wonderful. Um, and yeah, very loving, very um, so relational and um, and caring when it's from a from a good, healthy place, not not so it's like tell me what what's great about me or 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 that you need me and thank mm. me for these reasons that I'm, I'm giving of myself to you. But it's, it's out of this, this true place of nurture and, and care and love. Mm. When, so what numbers, I think you maybe touched on it, but where does the, the two move to in, in health and in chaos or in uh disintegration yeah in um unhealthy twos will take on behaviors of an unhealthy eight which essentially means they they can become controlling and and demanding and sometimes even manipulative mm. um and uh, why is why is that why do they become manipulative and demanding when they mm. get unhealthy what's going on within their their fear of rejection, and they're not being able to articulate their needs. I think it. I think it comes from a place of, again, wanting 
to know and hear that they're wanted mm. and they're needed. And um, twos appreciate when you thank them, but not just a general thank you, but specific, like what. Thank you for thank this. Thank you for this. Or this is why I appreciate what you've done or mm. who you are. And I, I think um, when they fall into uh, that place of constantly giving, 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 and meeting someone else's need um, without getting some of that appreciation, they turn it into a manipulative giving mm. and controlling so that they can hear what they're longing to hear. Interesting. Because what they want, I'm thinking of a story right now of a two that I know. Mm. And uh, I said something to him recently and multiple times he was like, oh, when you said that, it just meant so much to me. And all I was saying was, mm -hmm. oh, I hope you have a great time tonight. He does some work for me and it was late at night. I mean, I'm going to sleep. And I said, hey, if, you know, if you're out, I hope you have a great time. I'm not expecting you to get this work done now. But multiple times he came, he's like, oh, that just meant so much to me mm. when you said that you hope that I have a great time, mm. which I've thought was, I don't know, interesting. I'm like, yeah, dude, like have a good time. <laughs> but now understanding this more, it's really me valuing him and valuing his needs as an individual and saying that, that it's okay for you to have your own need. Mm. And that made him feel validated and that his needs were okay. Mm. And he didn't just have to serve the needs of someone else. Mm. That's really cool. And I, I would I would wonder if he was in the room, if it would also be that you see you have seen and valued the time and work he's put towards what you've needed. Yeah. And um and in in response to that of, I hope you have a great time tonight. Um, I don't know. I wonder if it was communicated as like almost a thank you. Like you deserve, you deserve to have a great night mm. tonight. I, I just wonder. That's yeah. I wonder thought. how he interpreted it. I for sure was, I was one, just as a person, you're like, Hey, hope you're having fun. Yeah. And two, you saying like, you don't have to do this right now. Like, I hope you're not reading this message as in, Stop what you're doing and take care of my needs. Mm, so that's real good. Learning about the twos in my life. Mm. Do you have any great stories of twos? Um, yes, I I work. Quite, you work really closely I, with a two. I work really closely with a two, and um, such an incredible leader. Um, I have such a a real true joy to, in following her her leadership and the way was we work together. Um, and we, uh, I've seen in her truest desire to, uh, love people and meet their needs, uh, where it's easy for her to forget about her own, especially in a leadership position as well. There's so much to get done. There are things I need to do, um, people I should tend to, you know, this, uh, this, this is expected of me. Mm. Um, and over time, I, I have seen where it in unhealth, um, the, the move to the eight, um, 
they can twos can become they can take on a like a shocking aggression and i i use the word shocking because it's it's really not in the realm of a two to like be so rash mm. and um and is it extra shocking for you because you're a four <laughs> yeah let's let's magnify <laughs> it's shocking and then put and then me everything in a four, that the four it's magnified. it gets magnified times 10 wow like, i just feel so known good good you're seen seen and known okay so it's shocking because of yeah. this twos don't normally lash out and saying like this is what i need right and and so as i was saying before they will they will give and give and give until they are blue yeah. in the face and then they'll they'll make a that harsh line of okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give to anybody i'm meeting my needs and then the next day they'll probably start to give, give again give again <laughs> um but i just i i've i've seen some of that um as i work closely with the two and and um but i would say she needs some of that energy and and i think it's been cool to even watch as as we've both been journeying through the enneagram how she's seen the the positive sides of how she needs her number, that stress number to take care of herself mm. and really own the fact. That almost acts as a limit to bring her back to health by her hitting that that wall of the eight of saying, nope, I need this. Yeah. That actually is going to bring her back into an eight and move, move her into the four where she's an individual, where she mm. has the needs of her own and yeah. identity of her own. Yeah. So what... What do you give to a, a, a two? What do the do twos need and how do you give them what you need, what they need? I, again, I'll speak from how I like to approach twos and how I will be really intentional to move in a space where I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally loving you. And, um, I I ask this, them the question of what their needs are, even though they may not always know what their needs are. I'm willing to ask the question and and be okay that they don't need it, but um, almost be patient enough mm. and wait until they're able to articulate it um, to me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think because twos are so intuitive towards others there is this hope that others will be intuitive to their needs without them needing to say yeah, it. yeah not going to happen so it really it's true because it's it's the gift of the two that they can yeah, do that yeah no other number can do that so totally um that that's just especially my take especially on it. if a two is dealing with maybe an eight an eight is not going to uh, i mean maybe unless they're an extraordinary eight but they're probably not going to be really in tune with what someone else needs unless they vocalize it. Yeah. You know, they're going to... Ace won't really see you if you don't have the same energy as them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, if you didn't tell me, how am I supposed to know? Right. So I think as as a two, it is, it's excep- exceptionally difficult because they are, they are serving so much... And they have a hard time seeing what they need. So for all you twos out there, take some time and figure out what do you need? Who are you as an individual without merging with these other numbers? Mm -hmm. And then 
articulate what you need to people around you. I would I would even encourage the twos out there listening. Um would be ask yourself the question, what is what is mine to do and what is not? And mm. that is okay that it's not yours to do, but what is yours to do and that you can give your whole heart to and all your love to, um, but it doesn't need to be everything. Yeah. It's port- that's a, an important distinguishing thing to, to realize as a two, what's mine to do and what's not. Mm. That is really good. And that's the, the humility bit that that a two needs to go into. And I think even us telling the two, like I know for me, you know, I'm similar in, in many ways. Like when I move into health, I move into that eight. Mm. And so I can just be like, here, this is this is what we're doing. Here's the list. Let's execute. Let's get it done. And if if the two doesn't tell me, or if anyone doesn't tell me for that matter, I'm not going to... I can't read between the lines and I need to be communicated with. And then the reverse of that, my own responsibility towards the two would be operating in humility and giving them some leeway to say, you do not need to do all of this. Mm. What are you wanting, willing, able to do? And what do you need? And giving that, that space, them that space and freedom to operate in humility and communicate that they have limits without placing an expectation that they are able to sacrifice everything for a cause outside of themselves. Mm, Yeah. Well said. Anything else on the twos? They're great. Love twos. They're like the backbone of everything. It's just like they get things done. The the twos are pretty wonderful. I have some twos, another two in my life that uh, whenever I'm, around this person, I just walk away feeling like the biggest jerk in the world. I just walk away thinking- <laughs> That's like, not what I thought you were going to say. No, 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 I do. I walk away thinking like, man, I am I'm so heartless. I am so like not thinking of other people. I'm in my wor- own world and clearly I don't have a, a single care in the world for any human soul. But this too is like- <laughs> He's just like so intentional, always Mm. speaking words of encouragement, always speaking words of life, always like stopping and paying attention to the person in front of them and having these deep connections and moments of conversation. And I'm like a five over here being like, eh, that's a waste of time. Don't talk to me. (laughs) I'm on my phone. Don't touch me. (laughs) I'm creating some content over here, changing the world. And he's actually out there changing the world with touch and interaction and serving other people. Oh, that's such a great, yes, you said that so well. Us fives, I'm telling you. We'll appreciate you later. We'll appreciate us later. Let's move on to the three. What is the three? The type three is called the achiever. The achiever is the the holy idea behind the achiever. And again, it's kind of obtuse. It's it's hard to to grapple with, but it's holy law and holy hope. And the idea of this is this extreme optimism that the the universe is operating without contradictions without, uh, with no, uh, separateness and that everything is unified. And with that, this belief that the, the, the universe or deity will, will open itself up with transparency to you that you might be able to see and understand and operate 
in transparency, truthfulness. So the vice of the three is deceit. It's this fracture, this fracture from total optimism, from living without contradictions, and the the egotistical fixation is vanity, which is opposed to its virtue, with is which is truthfulness or its strength, which is truthfulness, and so. April, break down some of those, the fears, the motivations. What does a three look, feel like, and smell like? How can we sniff <laughs> one out? <laughs> well, our, our achievers are very high achievers, and they will, they will achieve and get done whatever they put their mind to. Mm. They are great leaders. They're highly successful. Um, now, when, they're, when their vice or their passion is deceit, does that mean they are going to swindle everyone out of their money and they're chronic liars? <laughs> no. It's what does it mean? Yeah, the, the deceit is actually self-deceit. And so they, they – grew up in their childhood, um, almost lost behind the attention they received for their performance. Mm. And so starting in them to grow this, this mentality that, um, they don't, they have to perform or achieve their way, um, through life. And so, you know, say a three were to walk in a room, they'll they'll put out a personality um, or behavior that they think you want them mm. to be. And in that mix, they they deceive themselves because that line between what is their true self and personality gets a little lost. And mm. it's it's this are they that personality that they've put out or or not and so it's this so it really is kind of out of all of them it's really many different masks yeah if you will yeah but it's not because they're trying to trick other people it's because th their greatest fear is feeling worthless and their yeah. greatest desire and their motive is to feel valuable. Mm -hmm. So in this interaction, they're trying to figure out what is the best mask that I can put on mm -hmm. so that I am feeling valuable in this relationship and worth something to you. And they're really tricking themselves. And the play out of that is flattering other people rather than being truthful to who they really are and truthful to maybe their own person, their own true self. Yeah. And I think I would just add that because take that all away, um, those, those habits or behaviors, it's this wrestle with, am I loved without having to achieve or perform mm. or to look good for you? You know, um, am I loved with, for just me, right. my essence, my true self. Because the, the, even though the three is in the, the feeling triad, which yeah. this is the, the most mind-boggling thing. The three is in the feeling triad, but they don't see emotions as valuable. Right. Help me out there. They they see they see emotions as ineffective. And so like a waste of time rather. Mm. And 
it gets in the way of their high achieving mm. and it's it's a, a waste of time because that's where they they feel self-worth from that affirmation from their achievement so they go to tasks goals achievement success time management productivity hard work yeah and they're they're going to be way more focused on the outside their outside appearance the outside what's happening outside than rather go inward and mm. discover what's happening on the inside. So they deal with their shame by projecting it, by masking it over with outside achievements. Yeah, they, they, they're not very good with dealing with feelings uh, effectively. <laughs> so what do, what do they do when they have those feelings? Where do they put them? I wish we had a three next to us. Um, I think it, I think it makes them feel really uncomfortable and I think they they trying to move on into a into doing and achieving mm. to cover over those feelings to is it avoidance or yeah I think avoidance or just neglect it mm. <laughs> I don't know if those would be the same things but um I don't know neglect kind of feels right to me it's just this like I don't have the time and space to to wallow in, in this place, in this space of emotions and feelings, though they do experience them quite a bit. So, because I have to get things done, I have mm. to, you know, I have to perform because that is, again, filling their love tank of, okay, I feel, I feel valuable. Mm. So they repress them because the, the three in unhealth moves to nine and in health, it moves to the six, which is self-focus and their value is coming from achieving for others. Is that right? Whereas in the unhealth, it's moving to a nine, which is that falling asleep to self. The the move to a six in health, um, they become less focused on themselves. So how they're performing, how they're doing, what they look like. And they begin to move towards this beautiful space of considering um, their loved ones and their communities. Because that is also... That's the, en mm. the energy and behavior of a, of a six. They're very loyal to their communities and people. Mm. Um, and their, their disintegration to the unhealthy side of a nine is that once high achieving, um, goal-oriented, successful three moves into a nine where they kind of become a surrenderer and, and give up. Mm. Yeah. That's scary for a three. Can't I can't the uh, there's some people that I'm thinking of I don't know if they're actually threes but the people that I see that are they're high achievers and they're but they're not perfectionists they're like no. if I execute and it's an eighty it's better to do ten things at eighty percent than only one thing at a hundred percent and so there's some people I'm thinking of that that for sure fall into that that vanity kind of truthfulness spectrum. Uh, and for sure fall into, you know, being an executor, just like mm. do, 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 do more, do more, do more, do more. Uh, I wonder if anyone on this podcast knows who I'm talking about, very famous personality. I don't know if he's actually a three or not, but I could see how, how in his health, he definitely moves to um, a less of a self-focus mm. and more of a giving but it's all around achievement. 
Mm. A good distinguishing factor between uh, a one and a three that I like to ask people if they're they're toying around with, oh, am I a one or a three? Because they can mistype with mm-hmm. each other. And ones care about the process. Remember, they're very principled. So let's say a project needs to be done. They care that each step of the process is done with integrity yeah. and done well. A three loves shortcuts. They they believe, let's take the shortcuts. We're going to end up at the totally. same result of a finished product. And you know what? They do really well in the finished product. They just take shortcuts. What's the difference between a three and a five? Because a three is worried about being incompetent or yeah, not being able to, yeah, incompetent, right? And they want to be, and they want to appear competent, which- and Are you talking about a five or a three? A five. Okay. So five so wants five to f- struggles with feeling competent. Competence, which seems very similar to a three feeling worthless. So how, how what's the the main differences between a high performing f- five, which moves to an eight, right? So a healthy fives moving to an eight, and a three that's just executing. Is it just the motivation behind it? I th- I think so because. A five is dealing with um, fear and not feeling like they have the resources to be competent or to meet the needs of Mm. life. Um, I would say another pretty big distinguishing factor is fives don't have much energy. They have the conserved energy. Threes have that drive and the energy to achieve, mm. and their 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 wrestle and their struggle is to feel value valuable and to feel loved without having to perform. So it, it there is a little bit of a, I would say, quite a bit of a difference. Mm. So, do you have any good stories of a three? Um. Well, my I have three older sisters. And my oldest sister is a three. Um, and I don't know, I, I want to share a little bit about her her recent journey with the Enneagram because I found it so uh, profound in, in how she was journeying through self-realization and self-discovery. We hail from the area of Northern Virginia. Mm. And recently her and her husband moved out west to L.A., where there's a completely new environment, new people, um, a search for a job. So suddenly the the security that a three might feel, um, that they might place in their lives to feel loved and valuable, like um, climbing up in a job, mm. you know, achieving well in, in their workplace or within a friend realm, a community that she's known by and is loved by, you know, and um, suddenly that all of that gets taken away by one simple move out west Mm. and old crutches, if you will, that would fill that emptiness that she would try to replace with, with performing she didn't have. Yeah. She was in search for it. She was, didn't have a job. Um, so, okay, she doesn't have a ladder to climb there, feel like she's moving forward. And so she had literal time and space um, where she had to 
focus and actually engage with mm. these feelings and emotions that were coming up of almost lostness mm. and um, yeah, struggle with, she had to get really vulnerable with herself and realize, get to that uh, realized place that um, these were some of the old crutches that she had that she wasn't able to return to so quickly. Mm. So what does a, what, if we had a three sitting in front of us, what would we tell that three that they need to do for themselves? And then what do we tell the other numbers that they need to do for a three? Mm. I think for a three, they just want to know that they're loved for who they are. And I think they're, if we can, I'm talking about other numbers, provide a a space for people to, for, for threes specifically, to not have to perform their way for to, to feel loved, to, mm. to earn love, um, I think will allow a three to settle into some rest. Mm. Um, and I think it's important for us as other numbers to continuously reaffirm that, that they are loved. They don't need to do anything to earn that. Mm. Um, and as threes, um, I think being aware in a moment where you are performing um, or you've taken on a mask and you're choosing to, you're choosing a self that is not you over your true self. Mm. And only you can really know that in a moment, I feel like with discernment and knowing of yourself, um, I think it's important for you to be able to say, oh, I, mm. I could achieve my way to be the shining star right now, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to try and succeed to fill this void that I, I feel right now. Mm. But instead I will... I will be vulnerable with myself, engage with what I'm feeling and see where that leads me. Yeah. It's as if, uh, you know, saying to the three, what they've always wanted to hear, right? It's that you are valuable outside of your achievement. Yeah. 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 I love threes. They get stuff done. I love getting stuff done. <laughs> Yeah, they, they're on the quest for their identity. Who are they? And mm. it's a good one. Mm. I feel like I resonate a lot with a three. Mm. But then I feel like, it, you know, I resonate a lot with a one. And I definitely feel like it can resonate with uh, a four, five. So Maybe you're just growing and understanding I'm just and I'm just all the numbers. <laughs> I'm all the numbers. Speaking of all the numbers, number four. The number of death. Wow. Did you not, did you not know that? Lucas In Japanese, hurt. she is the number for death. It's a very unlucky number. So so they won't so in buildings, the number four, they don't have floor number four. Oh because my it's so goodness. unlucky. So but the we'll, intro to this the number. The intro to number four, which is probably why it's the number of melancholy. Fours, I love you. You're and fine. it's the I, I am part four, so I can say this and talking about myself right now you get to ask my wife i'll i'll move out of my thinking space into my feeling space and all of a sudden she'll be like what is going on why are your emotions like 
all over the place. I don't get it. So mm. I'm talking about myself. So I feel like I have some license. <laughs> so what is a four? What's going on with the last one of the feeling triad? Um, sorry, I'm stuck in the past of things that you said in introducing this. It, but what isn't that interesting? I, it's an interesting fact. It's an interesting <laughs> fact that four in Japanese means honest, death. I I was going to come back to that and say I, I did not know that. Oh. So you learn a lot on this podcast. You should tune in more often. <laughs> um, I mean, just think if you were on like, you know, Jeopardy or maybe, I don't know, those game shows, that fact could win you the million dollars. That is such a five thing. To say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. The four. What is the title of the four? Um, the title of the four is the romantic or the individualist. And I love, I really do love the holy idea of the four, which is holy origin. And again, it's like holy origin. What does that mean? But what it means is that when you have a, a realization or you're walking in the the truth of holy origin, it means that you have an innate understanding that you are connected with the divine. And when you fall out of that understanding and realization or revelation that there's connection with the divine, you fall into your vice or your sin or your passion of envy. And so it's the falling out of feeling like there are some people who are connected or there's things that you can do to be connected. And then there's things that you do to disconnect yourself. This, uh, this fracturing, if you will, is what makes us fall into envy. Now, April, break down envy for us. I know you did it in a previous episode. Break down envy. Does that mean that you're wanting everyone's car and Mercedes or... Gucci bag. What is envy? Hmm. No, there's 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 a pretty big difference between envy and jealousy. So yeah, jealous jealousy is a, being jealous of a relationship. So I would be jealous that you are friends with Ahmed or Fatma. Exactly. So that's jealousy. Envy is for I'm jealous. I'm envious of your computer. But this envy isn't necessarily talking about. Things. No, it's it's based on the feeling that something is missing and that um, or that's how fours move up about within envy. And it's they see um, the comfort mm. that or they they feel like everybody else has a comfort and a way of being in the world that they'll never have. And so they yeah, leave feeling almost like they won't be complete until they have that. So it's as if something is missing within themselves and they're looking across the table and they're saying they must have a secret that I don't have. Yeah. Or, or quality mm. or yeah. And so that leads to their fixation of melancholy. Can you unpack melancholy for us? Mm. Um, our fours have the tendency to, um, live in a they they can be quite melancholy or sad, um, and I 
they have a fear of abandonment. Mm. And um, again, kind of tagging along what I was saying about envy, this is almost this incomplete feeling and longing um, that they'll just always live with. Mm. And um, it can often lead to a quite melancholy and sad state. And that is juxtaposed with equanimity. Yeah. And equanimity is mm-hmm. a a uh, equilibrium of feelings, right? Yep. It, it's a uh, it's emotional balance, mm. and um, as fours move into health, and they 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 become a little bit more even minded, and they're not so swept by every single emotion that they feel they they're they're kind of able to harness what which ones to kind of respond to and, and not have to to give of give of themselves or communicate every single one and every time they feel it they become more stable yeah in their emotions so what's the driving motivation and the driving fear of a four the uh, the fear of a four is fear of abandonment, and um, the, their need is to they want to be seen, mm. known, and understood. How do we give that to them? What like what what does it mean to be seen, known, and understood? Is it just like you did a great job, mm. you know, making that slideshow? Oh, what God, does it mean? No. <laughs> It's not the. It's very different than the three, right? Yeah, because a, a three wants to be seen and known, right? They want that recognition. How is the four different? This is. It's. I'm. I'm having a hard time answering this question because we also really struggle with feeling misunderstood. It's okay. You're going to be misunderstood. So no, I'm just saying. I'm asking myself the question: How how do I feel seen and known? Um, I feel the most known when. Uh, somebody is able to go as deep as I go deep and feel as deep as I feel deep. And Mm. I feel, um, because fours fours will, if they feel sad or if they're sad, they want to feel sadder than sad. And if there's happy, they want to feel happier than happy. They want to feel the extremes of their emotions. There's not, um, fours have a, a hard time living in average or normal. Mm. So, um, yeah, sadder than sad, happier than happy. So they, they tend to go to the extremes, even as individuals, they want, that's why they're called the individualist. They want to skew to the eccentric or the extreme of whatever thing that happens to be sparking their interest. And then you're saying for them to feel understood, they want other people to be able to resonate at those deep levels of emotions Mm. uh, that they have. Yeah, I, I. So then, how can you be friends is, with anyone is, that's not a four? This is this is uh, um, this is so. I guess this is how I would approach it as me as a four and my experience with it, and finding that's how I feel when I'm in relationships. But mm. to answer your question, um, I've had to really learn how to live in an average normal space and to give a lot of time and a lot of patience for relationships to grow and and the and find beauty in the way relationships are built and it they don't 
get built overnight, unfortunately. Mm. No, they don't. Well, some do. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel, some do. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah. What's the, what's, the, what's your childhood wound? What's the, right, because we all have these childhood wounds. You happen to be a four. What's the childhood wound and what's the one thing they've always wanted to hear as a child from that zero to five? Mm. Well, we've always wanted to feel seen and known for who we are. Um, we have a pretty big fear of abandonment. And um, the way that plays into relationships is is pretty huge. And um, fours do this push-pull thing in relationships, uh, which I've, I'm so thankful that the Enneagram defined this. Mm. Because it almost called me out in what I was doing, um, so I wanna I wanna describe this well. <laughs> Hopefully, I do well. But um, I so in my intensity of wanting to be your best friend and know the depths of you right away, uh, I'll pull you in real close and real fast, and then um, and then you know I'll I'll let you love me. I'll let I'll let. Um, myself love you and then I get afraid of that fear that you're going to leave so I push you away before you could do that mm-hmm. and then you're let's say the person's over there and I see them and I'm like oh but I don't want to f- I, I don't want them to forget how much I love them so I'll pull them back oh my and it's a pretty vicious cycle of push pull how do how how do the other how do you I mean you don't fully know but how do you think the other Eight numbers view you. What do you think some of the things they say about you behind your back? Well, some people just say it to my face, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is fine. Um, I think, yeah, we can be seen as too emotional um, or this idea of like too much Mm. um, or like just mood swingy. Or hard to understand because there's so many. I think the fours are the most complex of the Enneagram. It's there, there are so many layers and emotions, and I think that's really hard for people to understand. Um, I've had some people say like we're the tortured soul. <laughs> that's what some people have said, which I don't entirely disagree with. So, I mean, yeah, that's. I think probably if I were to say one, just very very emotional Mm. and the intensity of that i'm not sure with the way all the eight other types see differently um it it can be a lot for some Mm. so it's very moody it's very almost bipolarish it's very to the extremity of each emotion Mm. do you have any stories from your personal experience i do and i Again, I'm I've I'm a year into this Enneagram journey and I'm so excited to learn more and I I love to follow I've I've referenced her before, Suzanne Stabile. She's an incredible Enneagram teacher, coach, master. And she uh had been interviewing an Enneagram for on, on one of her podcasts and he he was describing a story that happened to him and I'm sharing this because this is exactly what happens to me. Mm. And I identified it with it a hundred 
and 10%. Mm. Um, but he was at some convention center for a, a conference and uh, he had forgotten something uh, in his hotel room and he had been hanging out with some of those conference attendees and he said, oh, I'll meet you. I'll meet up with you guys again. I, I forgot something in my room that was on the 23rd floor. So he he walks over to the elevator, presses up, and he's excited. The emotion he's feeling is he's excited uh, to hang out with his buddies and he's having a, a good time. He's happy. He enters into the elevator and boom, he hears the elevator song that came up and it reminds him of his father, which then stirs an emotion in him where he starts to think, oh, I should call my dad. I haven't talked to him in a while. And so now he's, he's, he's swung to a totally different emotion. Then he goes up a couple more flights up and a woman walks into the elevator and he smells the fragrance of her perfume and it reminds, again, strikes a memory and then an emotion, um, that he had and then he goes up a few floors more up finally to his level and then as he's walking to his room he hears a fight that's going on in another room hmm. and in the fight uh he's he's now concerned he's feeling a, a totally another emotion and feeling like should i should i intervene should i help um and as he's walking to his room he finally gets through his room and he completely forgets what he came up to go to his room for <laughs> and in the span of ground zero to 23 he's already swung to all these different emotions and i listened to that story and i was laughing i i, I thought it was hilarious but i've done that where on the first floor of my house i'm like oh, i forgot something i need to go upstairs and i by the time i'm upstairs i not only forget what i've gone upstairs for but i'm in a whole new space, emotional mm. space. And um, where Enneagram type twos might have a, a an emotional span and a swing in, in let's say, a three-month span of, oh, today was a good day, okay, a few weeks after, oh, this was kind of hard, and then they'll swing back to, oh, this, we're good. Um, in the span of an hour, uh, they'll experience that 10 times within an mm. hour. And and so the, the emotional swing is quite intense and, and very fast. And it's difficult for a four to know which one to grab hold of and respond to. It would take a lot of self-awareness to, and maybe fours have this built in, but a lot of self-awareness to be able to identify like his story, each different emotion as he's going, and then to be able to articulate that on the back end realizing that it's part of their their makeup and then the 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 four goes into a two as you've mentioned in as it breaks down into yeah. stress and then a one into health mm -hmm. which would make which makes sense that the four which is very sporadic in its emotions go up into a one where it's kind of at that that state of perfection where it's a state of serenity mm. in its strength. Mm. Yeah. They, they're being able to pull from uh, one energy really provides some stability and some, I think helps in that self-awareness of what, what, and I don't need to respond to every emotion that I've just swung to and, yeah. and grab hold of that. In in the swing to a two, 
at least personally, where I really fall into a pretty uh, difficult routine, unhealthy routine is that push pull that I was talking about. Um, I that fear of abandonment strikes a chord in my heart pretty deep, and so I get I get quite clingy, um, mm. like a two, or I feel like I need to um, meet your need or serve you so that you stay, so that you don't leave, so that you don't leave. That makes a lot of sense. So, what would be one, your message for all the fours out there, your four mates, and then what would be what would be your your charge or your encouragement for all the other numbers who think that the fours are absolutely insane, just mm-hmm. absolutely bipolar, crazy, mm. like get your head straight on your shoulders. Yeah. What would be the the two needs for both those groups for the four? Yeah. Well, I would say for ever all the other eight types, um, the the fours are are really good at bearing witness to others' pain, mm. um, hard emotion, and yeah, pain and longing. Uh, it's it's not hard for us to be in that uh, space or realm, and so we we offer we offer that to you as other other numbers and um yeah uh i and the emotional swing i would i would say <laughs> you don't have to respond to all of our emotions mm. um like don't let us suck you into every single one that would be highly draining for every single one of you it's draining for us you yeah, know? yeah um so i i think it's okay to not have to respond to every single swing that we have but knowing we are so um yeah it's a oh, it's part of our wiring and then i would add one more thing of remind us that you're going to stay in mm. in relationship with us and that you're not going to leave or abandon us and um, it's giving the equanimity to the four mm. and saying, Hey, I know your, your emotions are really volatile right now, but even though I don't understand your emotions, your emotions don't scare me. Yeah. And I'm, I have equanimity. I'm giving you that to that to you, which is you're safe. I'm not going to leave you in the midst of your tor- turmoil. That is so good. Yes. Thank you for saying it that yes. way. Yeah. And um what would you say to the four? I would say fours if you can lean into the practice of um not having to respond to every emotional swing mm. that you have and it's hard. It's so difficult. Um but not having to almost express that or communicate that to outside people every swing you have um, and to know which ones to to pull on and to choose. And I think that will lead you into a, some mm. equanimity. Yeah. And fighting, fighting envy and realizing that, that the, the vice of envy of seeing what everyone else is and has and feeling like we're missing something. That's probably a, a real trigger for some of those emotions of, oh, I fell short in this area or I could excel in this area, the, at least some of that melancholy. Mm. 
and realizing that that is not true, mm. but that you are enough mm. and that you're seen, you're known, you're okay. <laughs> you're not going to be left or forsaken. Mm. That is all for the the heart feeling shame uh, triad. What does a four do with their feelings of shame? How do they process that? Mm. Uh, this, the Enneagram is such a range, and I think um, what they do with the shame can be a wide range. <laughs> um, some mm. I, I've. I feel like sometimes what I do with my shame is I throw it on the other person and then I attack it. Um, But it it really, yeah, I I don't know if that answers it for every, every four. Um, But it also feeds into some of that envy. It, it, Mm. it really actually magnetizes that, is that a word? Mag, magnifies, um, the the shame of I I don't I'm missing mm. something like who I am is missing something yeah and fours are often the the very creative types they're the the creative writers they're the songwriters they are the you know the typical melancholy mm. songwriters and I think oftentimes the fours will project their shame into their romantic fantasies or their art or that creative realm. Mm. And deal with their shame in an outlet and expression that way. Mm. Yeah. I, I I know not all fours are in that creative space. And I know that other numbers can be mm-hmm. creatives as well. But um, in in terms of dealing with it, yeah, they that can be used as a tool to express some of that. Mm. Fours, we love you. Love you, fours. Stay strong. That's all for today's episode. Stay tuned for next week where we hit the five, six, and seven, the head thinking triad, which processes fear, which would conclude this four-part series. Uh, Please send us a message and let us know which number you think you are, if you figured it out already. If not, stay tuned for next week where we conclude this series on the Enneagram. Remember, if you own your story, you will own the future.